1972, a crack commando unit was sent to a liturgical prison by a canonical court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security diocesan stockade to the ecclesial underground. Today, still wanted by the Vatican, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, then you should listen to Libra Cristo War College. Wednesday War College. My name is Jess Romero. We've got Kyle Clement. I th- Kyle, are you on? I don't see. Him. I'm on, Jess. All right. Awesome. Hey, today's the feast day of St. John of the Cross. Pray for us. And uh, as Catholics, this is the Advent season. This is the, we're preparing for the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. His first coming we celebrate on Christmas. And his second coming will be Judgment Day. Uh, make sure that we all are living in, and we live and die in a state of grace because if you don't live and die in a state of grace, you will experience climate change and you will experience global warming. Hey, got a uh, Wednesday's uh, War College show. A lot of people look forward to it because uh, we're doing a deep dive on Father Chad Ripperger's deliverance prayers and a lot of people want to know how to use this uh, this uh, AR-15, this spiritual AR-15. And so people are really enjoying the the exegesis or enjoying the the explanations from Kyle. Kyle, but before we move on to that, I want to just ask you, a lot of people, let's say from Halloween up until New Year's, <clears throat> a lot of people receive cursed objects during these holidays. And I want to ask you, walk us through, let me, I'll, I'll make it simple. Somebody gets, strong practicing Catholics, invite somebody to their house to spend the weekend, a family member who's an unconverted pagan, and the family member leaves uh, a series of Harry Potter books uh, there in the room that they were sleeping at. So the family's cleaning the room on Monday, vacuuming, and they see these Harry Potter books. They don't allow their kids to read it. Uh, What should they do with these Harry Potter books, Kyle? So, Jess, you bring up a you bring up a very, very deep and interesting topic and one that is often um, misunderstood in Catholic circles because traditional Catholicism has provided for how to respond to these things uh, for centuries. But again, the evangelical and Protestant influence, the charismatic influence has crept into what would be the traditional response. And so, first of all, is in the scenario that you're talking about, Uh, We need to look at it in the lens of traditional Catholicism, spiritual warfare, um, liberation, those kind of things. And so, first of all, you mentioned uh, that an item was left. Um, Someone visited and an item was left. And so items get into the home in various ways. And so in this particular instance, um, an item is left and you use the term cursed item. So we need to first of all recognize some terms. A curse, a cursed item, means that an item has something affixed to it. So remember that a curse is a counterfeit of a blessing. Yes. So if I had left a St. Benedict medal in my witch sister's house, what would have been my intent? Probably for your sister to find it and receive some type of grace and have a, a prick of conscience in a moment of conversion. 
<coughs> Precisely. And so the cursed, the cursed object, it's going to be exactly the inverse. To experience a moment of terror, a moment of violation, a moment uh, of malefice. And so that is uh, often the effect. In that moment of reaction, then what happens is there is a bond formed or there is a, a relationship established, however briefly and however superficially, between what is accompanying the object and the person. If the immediate res response is to know this is unclean, this does not long belong in my house, then you would bless the object, first and foremost response. Okay. And ba basically, that blessing is an extemporaneous blessing. Now, there are many popular websites and Internet sites and even some uh, very popular American exorcists who have a very large and involved ritualistic formula that's drawn largely from Protestant sources um, as a response to this. Well, this response is overblown. So it's very simple. The Catholic response is you're going to always have holy water. And then three in, in, the, in three motions, as you sprinkle it, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, I decommission, imprecatory, I decommission any evil or any action of evil associated with this object found in my house, my car my office so do you see the line of authority there yes yeah then it's a simple prayer it's a short prayer it's not very simple not, i decommission any action yep. of evil found in my house right through the through the object that attached to this object oh that's oh yeah that's attached to this object okay yeah so now what we have to do is determine what is the nature of the object so objects are going to be classified in two uh, categories. One is intrinsically evil. The other one is um, not intrinsically evil or that which can be, quote, repurposed. Mm. So Makes often sense. there are. So often there are objects which may be cursed, which seem to be innocuous. Um, they may be um, a small figure of an animal given to a child. They may be a stuffed toy. They may be, uh, incidentally, stuffed toys are very popular among uh, witchcraft. Mm -hmm. In the use of witchcraft, animal images uh, are very popular, and they, they're referred to as familiars. And so um, stuffed animals have figured in a lot of our possession cases, but a, a teddy bear in and of itself, a Winnie the Pooh bear, which figured very large in one of our possession cases. Incidentally, it's surreal to see a stuffed figure <laughs> behave in ways that are inconsistent with an inanimate object. But anyway, hmm. the point being, hmm. the point being is the Winnie the Pooh character, that bear in and of itself is not intrinsically evil, meaning okay. um, it, it doesn't now. If it's a Winnie the Pooh bear with a pentagram embroidered into his chest and he is wearing the tattoos or marks of sigils and various other things, now we're, we have an intrinsically evil object. Yes. Another thing, another thing that could be repurposed is um, a knife or a gun that is used uh, in a murder now has an evil and can have an evil attached to it. 
but this item can be repurposed because it's not intrinsically evil. That makes sense. Yeah. Some of these things that are, okay. Some of the things that are intrinsically evil are those which bear uh, satanic symbolism, Freemasonry symbolism, symbols, uh, the tools of abortion are intrinsically evil because they, they have no medical purpose other than um, to kill a human in his mother's womb. Mm. So these are intrinsically evil. Some of the other things that you find that are intrinsically evil are um, effigies, are figures such as, um, well, one that's really popular in your part of the world is Cocopelli. Cocopelli is an image, it's a Native American image uh, of a fertility god. And one of the attachments to Cocopelli is um, promiscuity. One of the spirits that attaches to the effigy of Cocopelli is promiscuity. African fertility mask, South, uh, South Pacific mask and memorabilia that have to do uh, with Morona and other um, headhunters and cannibals. These tribal items uh, from South America, the Incas would use a sacrificial knife called a tume, that these are intrinsically evil items. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Just like what the Aztec items uh, to, do, uh, to perform human sacrifice, though, that would be intrinsically evil, those items. They can't be repurposed, right? That's correct. They cannot be repurposed. And so those items must be destroyed. Now, what is destroy? What does that mean? Um, th- and this is another uh, understanding, is the intrinsically, uh, intrinsically evil item must be destroyed and uh, absolutely rejected. This is what happened with the golden calf. Mm. So the, yeah. the golden calf gives us an interesting look. You know, we read that thing, and we, we, we think it's fanciful. But if you remember, um, Moses is, um, uh, he's upstairs with the father. I'm paraphrasing heavily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's up yeah. the mountain. There is the reverie going on. And when Aaron is recounting the tale, he says, I put this gold in the fire and this calf came out. Now, you remember when you're a kid and you're hearing that and, and even uh, on into young adulthood, we're saying, yeah, sure. Right. Mm. Yeah. Remember? Right. Yep. I, I think, I think Aaron was telling the truth straight up. Where did the gold come from? It was despoiled of the Egyptians, meaning there's a good possibility that this gold was effigies, images, and or infested with the the diabolical entities present to the Egyptians. When this is put in the fire and all this comes together, critical mass is achieved, and all these these demons that are attached to these images, now you have an amalgamation of all of these things, and I think it's a good possibility that the golden calf walked out of the fire. Wow. You're listening to Wednesday War College. Kyle Clement, Jess Romero, we're talking about disposing of cursed objects. Fascinating topic, and this is something that affects all of us. Stick around. We'll be right back. We'll continue on this topic.
Wednesday War College. We're talking about how to dispose of cursed objects. Seems to be during the holidays from between, especially starting from Halloween up until New Year's, a lot of people end up probably knowingly or unknowingly give each other cursed objects. Uh, some people do it maybe as a, as a prank, and some people do it because they're actually occultist in your family. Family and friends are actually occultist. Uh, some of these objects, uh, again, can bring a malefice. Uh, uh, it, it can bring something intrinsically evil to the house. And that's what we're talking about, how to dispose of it as a Catholic. And I gave Kyle the example, okay, family members, uh, they uh, were in the, the, the empty room over the weekend. Uh, they're unchurched. Uh, they brought a bunch of Harry Potter books and they left them be, when they took off on Sunday night. They left them there. They forgot them. So you're cleaning up the room on Monday and you see a bunch of Harry Potter books uh, you don't care for them. You know what it's all about. You know, your kids are not allowed to read them as well. You're practicing Catholics. So how would you dispose of these Harry Potter books? And uh, Kyle, you had just said that uh, the first thing we have to do is bless the object with holy water. Uh, you would say in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit and bless it with holy water. Then you would say, I decommission any action of evil found in my house that's attached to this object. So where do we go from? Where does the listener go from there, Kyle? Okay, and so in this particular case, uh, remember that these objects are the property of another that were left in your home. And so your authority extends to you can decommission them from any evil in your home, but this will not allow you to uh, cooperate or to take possession of the the items. Uh, and so the, what you need to do in this case is you've decommissioned them, now mail them back to the people at your cost, mail them back to your relatives, to your friends. But what I would suggest highly is that you insert a prayer card in each one um, wow. and, and simply send them back because you cannot let yourself be drawn into situational ethics that says, because of my righteousness, I'm allowed to destroy the property of another. Yes. Can't do that. What if, uh, here, let me give you a hypothetical. What if uh, the the person, just for whatever reason, just laziness or just, you know, you know just sloth, they just say, I'm just going to throw it away. Okay, I found these Harry Potter books in my house. Uh, I'm just going to get them and throw them in the trash. That's it and, and move on. Not, uh, why, why would that not be sufficient? Because it doesn't break the bond with um, the evil that was associated with it. And so what you want to do is you want to break that bond with the evil that is associated with the book. And, and these books are intrinsically evil. Why? Because they militate against the faith. And I know that the Harry Potter books are a, a hot-button issue, but very simply, um, without getting into the minutia of the, of the contents, they fail the first test of, uh, of proper literature for a Catholic to have, and that is there is a moral um, issue that strikes at the heart of Catholicism, and that is the ends cannot justify the means. The protagonist in these books imposes his will upon the other out of out of on others out of a sense of justice by resorting to the dark arts. The ends cannot justify the means. This is this has to be central uh, to our Catholic faith. And so even though he does what appears to be a good and, and addresses an injustice, um, the way he goes about this um, is, is improper. Uh, violence, uh, resorting to the dark arts, rejection of authority. There are many, many uh, things that the Potter um, 
books fail um, for this reason. The real danger is that a young mind reads these things and, and believes that the ends can justify the means. It is right to oppose just authority in certain cases, etc. And these things are, um, these are directly in opposition to his Catholic faith. And so there's a deformation that begins to happen uh, uh-huh. in the intellect of, of, the, yeah. of the Catholic. That makes sense. That makes, uh, yeah, a deformation begins to take place, yeah. Uh, just like uh, people that work in the White House, the Speaker of the House, and many others. Yeah, deformation of the intellect. Uh, Kyle, so you said by just by throwing these in the trash, you said it still doesn't break the bond that this object has with, with your house, right? Correct, correct. So what happens when, um, again, back to the golden calf, they have to destroy the the form. They have to, to destroy it. If you remember, it was ground down, um, and it was actually um, it, it was actually ingested, um, and then subsequently defecated into the desert by the uh, Israelites. And so, this is the ultimate spreading. This is the ultimate scattering. Um, we see a we see a counterfeit of this when we see cremation with scattering of the ashes which is certainly against catholic teaching but this is the this is the the destruction and dissipation of the form of the human body this is a very very important concept um the scattering of the ashes and and the treatment of cremains is though it is a um, cremation is allowed by the catholic church it is uh, under only certain circumstances, and then the disposition of the cremains are very strictly regulated. They are never to be scattered. Correct. So this destruction, destruction of form and dissipation of the ashes is a very important concept. It's a, it's a very important um, understanding. And so to destroy the item or destroy its form and scatter uh, the remnants, um, this is the prescription for disposing of cursed objects, intrinsically evil objects. If it is not intrinsically evil, then uh, it may either be disposed of by putting it in the trash or um, it may be blessed. It may be repurposed by a blessing. Okay, so so you can, in some instance, based on uh, the golden calf incident, you can take some of these cursed objects, maybe, again, that were left or found in your house, maybe a grandkid left them, a son or somebody. You can do what the, what the Israelites did with the golden calf, and is you can burn it, you can incinerate it, and scatter it around the desert. Can you, is, would that be viable for a lay Catholic man? Yes, if you have a, if you have a uh, cursed object, then it is to destroy the form um, and burn it if possible. If it is of metal um, or stone or something, you destroy the form and place it in deep running water. If you, um, if it's able to be burned, it's burned to ash and then scattered either in the water or it may be buried. Um, but that's what you're trying to do is is totally uh, disperse the form, destroy the form and recognize in any recognizable form, and then disperse it to the extent that you can. Got it. There's other models out there uh, that talk that have like more elaborate steps, Kyle. Uh, I'm just wondering, are are those are they necessary? I mean, where there's another modeler that shows where you uh, do a prayer, 
cutting the unholy ties, links, and bondages between the object and the evil sources. Uh, then it moves on and it says, pray the following prayer over the item. If married, pray this together with your spouse as possible. Uh, then it's, then it says, uh, then destroy the object so that it no longer resembles what it was. Well, that's what you said. They probably got it from you. If it can be burned, then burn it. If it is a glass, break it up into pieces. If it is metal, break it in, break it in half if possible or other damage it or, 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 or other damage it with a hammer. Perhaps if it's made of wood, saw it in two. And if some other material, rip it apart into small pieces, take it apart or damage it as best you can. If there is no way to destroy it, then tie a blessed palm branch on it or a blessed St. Benedict on it. And it says here also, if burying the object is possible, dig a hole in the ground and place the remains of the object in the hole. Sprinkle the remains with holy water once more, then tire place a blessed St. Benedict's medal on top of the, of the remains. If not already done in step four, fill the hole burying the remains of the object. If the item is biodegradable and will not pollute, discarding it in a running river or stream may also be done. Six, with the object buried or discarded in a river or stream, bless yourself with holy water and sign, a sign of the cross, saying, Our Father and three Hail Marys. Number seven, pray the following prayer to break any curses that may have attached to you by possessing this object. If married, each, each spouse is, is uh, to pray this prayer separately. Uh, number eight, it says, Renounce your involvement in these things occultic and our ownership of the items and take back the ground Satan stole as a result of your sin or in even the mere ownership of the object. Uh, number nine, if sin was committed in using the object, then confess in the sacrament of reconciliation. Ten, at the earliest opportunity, go to mass and offer your life, family, and property to God. Then it has here, a, you know, finish off with a perimeter prayer that uh, they grabbed from Father Ripperger's book. So th- this one's very detailed. Is, is all this necessary, Kyle? way too much it's way way too much um there's a lot of protestant and evangelical um and superstitious elements in this um if the the subject that we're talking about today is how to dispose of cursed objects then we've exhausted the subject on how to dispose of cursed objects all these other things are not (laughs) necessary um with regard to severing ties confessing sin i mean this is normal catholicism um, if the sin is, a, if the object has been an occasion of sin or, or been a trigger for sin, then of course you address that in the confessional. Um, it, it's how you come into possession of the object. What does the object represent? Has this a gift? Is this something that is negligently left in your home? Is this something that is placed without your knowledge? Um, how the, how you come into proximity of the thing has a lot to do with how you respond after you've destroyed it. You're going to destroy it once you recognize this is clean or unclean. If it's unclean, I'm going to destroy it. If it can be repurposed and I want to repurpose it, I may. Um, a good example is a dream catcher. This is an intrinsically evil object. It doesn't matter if it comes from the St. Joseph Indian Mission as a fundraiser. It's still an intrinsically evil object. So you, you destroy it, very simply. Um the other thing about taking things into your home, you need to get it. People need to get in the habit of when we come home from Walmart, when we come home from whatever the store is, because a large amount of our products come from around the world and people who do not share our faith, you're, you are handling cursed off every single day. Mm. Now, a lot of them are not cursed formally. But even if they're cursed informally, and I guarantee you, if you have prescription drugs in your home, you have cursed items in your home. 
every single thing we take into our home, every single thing we eat, we drink. It's amazing to me, people will make a point of saying the Latin blessing for meals, but they're not blessing their pharmaceuticals. They're not blessing their water. They're not blessing uh, the things that come into their home. Very simply, when you get home from Walmart, open the trunk, three quick sprinkles in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I bless these items and de- decommission anything evil that may be attached to them in any way. Well, Done. Fini. Simple. Well, and, and that's the way, that's pretty much as simple as uh, decommissioning these Harry Potter books, right? The, the guy finds Precisely. them. You, uh, you know, put them in a box or something. You say in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I decommission any action of evil fun in these Harry Potter, Potter, uh, Potter books in my house that's attached to this object. Uh, and then you mail them to the family that uh, left them there, right? Or, or if right. you don't know their With address. It, and I would highly, yeah, and I would highly suggest putting a St. Benedict um, prayer card in each one of those, uh, would, which it. includes a St. Benedict prayer. Okay, we'll one be right line back, of which. Stick around. <laughs> okay. Hard break. We'll be back. Stick around. We're back. Wednesday War College, just remember Kyle Clement. Kyle, we're going to move on to the next topic. So, uh, yeah, you've exhausted it, disposing of cursed objects. It's actually a lot simpler than maybe some other models purport, correct? It's a, it's a lot simpler. It is, and the other models want to uh, address all kinds of other things, and and uh, it just doesn't have to be in that, that involved. Simply dispose of the item. If the item has caused issue, then you can deal with the issue separately. Um, one of the things, if the item has been in your possession for a long time, it's been the occasion of sin, et cetera, there is a necessity to go through a reject, renounce, and rebuke process whereby you um, address the behavior and or soul ties, which may be a result of the, uh, of the, um, your association with the object. But that is not tied up with the destruction of the object. Just destroy the object, be done with it. Um, pray to Our Lady of Sorrows to reveal to you any any baggage or anything else that might need to be addressed as a result of your possession of the item. Then that's done through um, traditional Catholic formula, um, the renounce, reject, and rebuke formula, the breaking of soul ties, etc. But we we formalize that process, and those formulas are available. Um, Dan, Dr. Dan Schneider goes into great detail in the development of those processes. The reject, renounce, and rebuke formula was actually developed um, when we were responding to some some cases in South Texas, um, which had to do with uh, Botanica, Curandero, Santeria, and various other things that are object-driven. So the possession of cursed items is very central. Um, including cursed images of Catholic saints. And so once you get into that area, um, now you're off into a more formal response. But we developed the renounce and reject and rebuke formula back in the, uh, in the very early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s. And it's amazing how that has found its way into other ministries, just like when you're reading from this Internet Exorcist He's incorporating um, about five different sources, 
several things from Father Ripperger, some Lee Cristo stuff. And so what they're doing is they're make, taking this big um, amalgamation of things and throwing all of it up. Um, and that's just simply not the surgical response that we advocate. In other words, it's, uh, well, it just is overkill, right? It's just, uh, or just, uh, they're yeah, just things yeah, that, really that are is. unnecessary. Yeah. It really is. And it, and it opens you up to uh, superstition, to even some of the practices that are consistent with Santeria and, and these other practices, which are very elaborate. Um, and so uh, it's, um, it's interesting how that creeps into even the deliverance ministry and even Catholic exorcists buy into this. We've got Catholic exorcists in this country who are using seers and mystics um, and, and <laughs> delving into all kinds of things. Um, but you got to remember the AIE uh, hosted, uh, International Association of Exorcists hosted in Rome, a panel of shaman and wizards and right. Satanist yeah. uh, practitioners and so this is ecumenicism gone uh run amok it's just um it's just no longer functional and i think the demon really drives this um this mishmash of things so that nothing is truly and clearly effective well i guess the once once great organization started from father gabriel morth has been uh has been uh derailed uh it says it's well, it take it's, it's right. another direction yeah so well, you see this, Jesse, over and over. I mean, we see it with uh, with almost any uh, Catholic organization that's doing good. Once uh, it comes under the um, to the attention of the Vatican or of the the USCCB or any of these other organizations, and then they seek to administrate it, then once it becomes a political body, it, it loses its, its effectivity. <sighs> yep, unfortunately, you're right. Kyle, what about, uh, let's go to page 42 of, of Father Ripperger's book, Deliverance Prayers from the Laity. It's, uh, there's a prayer called Adjuration. What can you tell us about that prayer? It's an imprecatory prayer, obviously. What else can you tell us about that prayer? Who can use it and how is it used? So I think it's interesting as we, as we get into this prayer, this is really uh, speaking from uh, what we were just talking about. And so it's imprecatory when it starts with the word, um, I completely and utterly reject. And so you, you see the language. Um, if, it, if it starts with, I ask, I implore our Lord, I implore our lady, or I ask our Lord, our lady, to, to send angels and saints and do these things, that's deprecatory. But here completely it is, the hands go up, I completely and utterly, utterly reject well, with the full force of my will. And then it says, name the thing, disorder, or demon rejected. I do this in the holy names of Jesus, Mary, and in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. So we see that the, this, this is an uppercut. This is a short, mm. close proximity uppercut. Mm. You're going to have three repetitions to it, just boom, 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 uh, in honor of the three persons of the, of the Trinity. But when it says, I utterly reject, so you perceive... In order to name this or use this prayer, you're not shooting in the dark. You perceive whatever this in, name the thing, disorder, or demon rejected. And so this is a prayer. This is, an, uh, this is a short prayer. This is an off-the-cuff. This is that uppercut. Um, very, very quickly, you um, as a man, all men know this. If um, one man comes up to you and places his hand on your shoulder, 
all in the way he places his hand on his shoulder, you will either give him a handshake or you're going to take the half, half step back and you're going to push his button on the end of his nose. Yeah, you're going to pop right. him. Yeah. Yep. And so when you, when you intuit this presence of evil, this temptation, when you start to look at the clerk who is your daughter's age in the 7-Eleven, when you start to look at her and the suggestion is to look at her objectively, that's when you say this prayer. Mm-hmm. This is the get the hell away from me, you cosmic piece of trash prayer. Uh, mm, I like that. Yeah, so it's it's a it's a prayer basically for men. It's a patriarchal prayer. It's a short, quick prayer for yeah, men. This is a, yeah, this is hand to hook combat. Now, women, here's the best place for women to pray this. When you meet up with uh, your friend who says, "Have you heard?" This is the correct time to say, I completely and utterly reject with the full force of my will, the spirit of gossip, the spirit of calumny, the, the spirit of slander. And I will not be part of this conversation. Mm. Yeah. So there's, yeah, there's, different sins. there's obviously different sins that the genders of men and male and female, they, uh, they have a proclivity or an inclination towards your, your right. Yeah. Yep. And so, how often do we allow ourselves to be ambushed where a guy comes up and says, hey, have you seen this? He's on his phone, and then he shows his phone screen to you. Ah, okay. And so yeah. often Probably happens all the, yeah. thousands of times all day long, yeah. So this is the time for that prayer. Uh, do you have the strength to avert your eyes? Do you have your strength instead of looking at the screen, looking at him and saying, why do you do this to me? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That we're, that that prayer is is giving you the strength to avert your eyes, or at least you're calling upon the Lord to give you that strength. Yeah. Correct. Yep. So so let's move on so, to the other one. What about prayer against oppression? What that's uh <clears throat> that's an imprecatory prayer because I see the terms I exercise authority. What else can you tell us of how to use that prayer? Prayer against pres- uh, oppression. Who can use it? When can use it? How do they use it? So now we're entering uh, a portion of the book that is um, worn completely out, um, uh, on my copy anyway, because these Mm. prayers are really recommended for, and we're going to go all the way through them, but they're recommended for heads of household who are experiencing tertiary signs of diabolical affliction on their property, on their relationships. And so what it tells you is, Visualize oppression as um, the perception of the presence of an enemy. He's not yet close enough to strike forcefully, yet he can begin to nibble and heel nip around the edges, and he can compromise the integrity of your household, your household being viewed as a castle or a walled enclosure. Does that imagery work? Yep, absolutely. So oppression is essentially an attack for the man. It's an attack on his authority. So this is what you're going to set. You're you're talking about is most blessed Trinity by the authority given to me by the natural law and by thy giving these things and rights to me, I claim authority, rights, and power over, and then there's a list, 
income finance is accepted. So let's refer to this, this language. Words mean things. And so let's go to this language. I would strongly recommend people to buy the book uh, Dominion by Father Ripperger, particularly chapter four is where the discussion on power and authority is. Many Catholics, many ecumenical Catholics, and all Protestants get this wrong. The understanding of the difference between power and authority. Power is the ability to affect change over a thing or a person. Authority is the moral right to do so. They are not synonymous. And so in this particular prayer, you're claiming authority, rights, and power of disposition, of management, of all these things over income, finances, possessions, etc. Now, if you're making a portion of your money illicitly, illegally, or if you're keeping a por- portion of your money through sinful practices or illegal practices, then you're already in conflict because your authority is not rightly ordered. Does that make sense? It sure does. Hold that thought, Kyle. We're coming up to a quick uh, hard break. We're talking about uh, the issue of uh, how to understand the Deliverance Prayer books from Father Ripperger. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. Wednesday War College, all things Catholic spiritual warfare. We've got Kyle Clement, uh, Jess Romero, and we're talking about uh, the prayer on Father Ripperger's book. It's called Prayer Against Oppression. A couple of comments. Kyle, you mentioned that this prayer is in honor. Well, all the prayers that that are thrice said, the one before that, it's it's in honor of the Trinity. But this prayer against oppression, you said it's it's the presence of an enemy uh, who wants to attack your household or your castle. You've also said that this prayer, just the language there, obviously a patriarchal prayer because it claims authority and rights and power over the objects, that, uh, you know, income, finances, possessions in your house. Uh, what else can you say about this prayer and how to, the proper use of it? Well, when you look at it, it, it goes on in by, um, and anything else that pertains to the oppression. So let's talk about what is oppression. So oppression is um, a general um, heaviness, um, a slowness. Um, if you find that you're, if you're in a business and your customers are slow to pl- pr- uh, pl- pay, um, if um, financial insufficiency is often an aspect of um, oppression, miscommunication is often an aspect of oppression. Um, these fa- failure to timely uh, respond to um, communication requests, etc. And so it's it's almost like walking in knee deep mud. Everything seems to be slower and take longer. There's a mm. heaviness, and so that's a general look at oppression. And so it's from the outside. And so what you're wanting to do is, is you're wanting to first of all you recognize that there this may be occurring, then you have to be in right relationship 
with regard to your authority. So, for instance, income, finances, possessions, etc. Um, you know, one of the things that really people don't get is if it's real clever and you think it's real clever that you're getting free cable, then the rest of your finances are going to be open to oppression because you're willing to do something illegal, illicit, uh, to gain something. And so now you've just exposed all of your other financial sources. If you cheat on your taxes, if you don't report something, if the clerk gives you too much change and you don't go back and make that right, and the demon is watching to see, um, can I get this guy to do this? Um, are you backing off uh, an inner value given uh, to tithe or to give a certain amount to the church? So oppression is an indication of a break in virtue, um, some vicious behavior that may not be recognized as vicious. It doesn't rise to the level of habitual mortal sin. Um, it doesn't have to. But it is a, a breach in your wall, if you will, your wall of integrity. Integrity is doing the right thing even when no one's looking. Yep. Mm. And you in, law, you're in law enforcement, you know, the officers, especially people in positions of authority and power, um, they're going to be one of two ways. They're either going to have integrity or they're not. That's correct. So when you Absolutely. begin... So when you begin to pray this prayer, you better be sure your house is in order. Um, <laughs> you got to be sure your armor is completely covering you, um, because if you've got a vulnerability, it's going to show up. Now, it says this is an interesting phrase. Again, look how often sacrificial theology is included in the petition, because it is by the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ that the demon is vanquished. And he says here, by the merits of thy sacred wounds, I reclaim the rights, powers, and authority over anything which I may have lost or conceded to any demon. How would you have lost it or conceded it? Through sin. If it wasn't directly done, it could be done through sin or by practice. And I ask thee to remove any demon's ability to influence or affect anything in my life. Very important point. If the demon is active, he's active providentially. If he's active providentially, if the Lord is allowing it, then there is a vulnerability, a sin, a transgression, a psychological compatibility that has to be addressed. And so that's what's happening here. Now, I'm going to go back and pick up this sentence, by the merits of thy sacred wounds. It does not say by the merits of uh, the dolorosa, by the merits of the scourging, by the merits of the miracles um, that you perform. No, what is the image? Sacred wounds. Whenever you hear sacred wounds, any and all art, proper sacred art, no picture of the resurrected Christ shows the wounds from the crown of thorns or from the scourging. The only wounds are the five sacred wounds, his hands, his feet, and his side. These are the wounds of sacrifice. These are the wounds of the offering. All of the rest of his wounds had to do with our sins being heaped upon him. These were the scourges of the sins of the flesh, the crown of thorns, sins of the intellect, etc. And so 
when it says, by the wounds of thy sacrifice, are we conformed to sacrificial theology? Mm. Are we living our vocation in a sacrificial mm. way? Are we pure? I'm going to guarantee you that the guy who is practicing pornography, who is um, having adulterous thoughts about his wife, who is impure in any way, he prays this prayer, he's going to get taken to the woodshed. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, you got to be clean. You got to be clean to be praying all these players. Actually, that's that's what I've gathered from talking to you all these weeks. You better be uh, pursuing a a life of holiness and live in a state of grace. These prayers, in other words, these prayers are are nothing to play with. That that's what I've gathered from just talking to these last couple of months. And that's exactly right. I'll ask you, Jesse, what happens if at the height of your career you show up in the ring and your opponent? is a guy who's 40 pounds overweight who has not trained and smoked a cigarette on the way up to the ring. And he steps into the ring and he says, I'm a badass. I'm a, I'm a class a fighter. What are you going to do? You're going to laugh at him. Oh man. That would have been, uh, that would have been just uh, sheer joy from beginning to end, just dismantling them. Yeah. Cause he's not ready. He's not, he's not equipped. He's not, he hasn't done his homework. He hasn't prepared for that day. So when you start to say these prayers, when you are a spiritually flabby, girly man who is impure and not practicing his faith, and you stand up and thump your fat chest and say, now listen up, demon. <laughs> this guy's about to clean your clock. Yeah. Carl, we got about three minutes left. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing and how people can get a hold of you, what projects you've got going on, what retreats are coming up, uh, how people can get a hold of you uh, through what websites uh, the audience wants to know. Oh, thank you, Jesse. And so one of the main things that I want to talk about is um, one of the main things I want to talk about is the Monte Cristo website, M-O-N-T-E-C-H-R-I-S-T-O dot net. Um, And you can go under the tab shop and there are various things there. But chief among them is we talked about getting into spiritual shape for the battle. Um, There's a couple of really good book studies there, uh, spiritual combat. Uh, introduction to the ways of mental prayer. And then there's also a list of the various retreats. We're doing three retreats with Father Ripperger this year in Wyoming, a father, son, a mother, daughter, um, and a young married couple, couples retreat. If you're looking for the perfect wedding gift, if you're looking for a perfect Christmas gift, then I would really look at these retreats. We're going to be at uh, Louis Lake Lodge where we were last year. Uh, you can go online and look at their website to get an idea of the accommodations. Uh, look at um, www.montecristo.net for the details. But these would be great Christmas gifts to give people. Also, we're doing a series of reclamation theology retreats. And this is an interesting concept where we take whenever the retreat is going to occur and we talk about how did traditional Catholicism uh, worship, how did it, it act, how did it go through this particular season um, traditionally. And so reclamation theology, even if you've been to one before or heard it before, it's always changing because it's driven by the liturgical calendar. It's driven by what is seasonal and what is happening in traditional Catholicism. And then also um, there, there is um, pr- training for priests. There is general practitioner training. There's mental health professional training. 
So if you know a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a therapist, someone that is a mental health professional that would um, benefit by hearing Father Ripperger and other psychiatrists, psychologists who work with the SMD, um, that is a conference that they may attend. Uh, for priests, there is an exorcist training that Father Ripperger and I do every year. It's a week-long uh, intense training where a priest comes out of that functional in how to uh, go through, the, administer the solemn rite of exorcism, how to diagnose, how to use the protocol, very involved. If you know a priest who might be interested, or if you're interested in supporting or providing scholarship for uh, third world priests, um, we've got several priests that are interested uh, from Africa that lack the funds. It's, a, it's an expensive endeavor uh, in the travel um, but um, you may give scholarships in those areas. So go to, I encourage you to go to www.liberchristo, L-I-B-E-R-C-H-R-I-S-T-O.org. Exhaust the videos and the YouTubes there for more general information about various topics in spiritual warfare. Then go to Monte Cristo, www.monte, M-O-N-T-E, Cristo, C-H-R-I-S-T-O, dot net for the specific retreats and conferences and things where uh, one may become more officially involved and, and formed, as well as those retreats, the father-son retreat, mother-daughter retreat, the young married retreat by Father Ripperger, and I'll be doing some reclamation theology retreats in various places around the country. And then don't forget, buy your tickets now because they're, so they're already selling and it will sell out. And that's the Virgin Most Powerful Spiritual Warfare Conference on the Feast of the Annunciation uh, 2023. And that, of course, is put on by our good friends and supporters, um, fellow warriors at the Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you, Jesse. Thanks a lot, Kyle. We'll have to, we'll see you next time, my friend. Good stuff. Uh, you've been listening to Wednesday War College. Just remember Kyle Clement talking about spiritual warfare, how to pray the deliverance prayers in the book, how to dispose of cursed objects. Oh, a whole lot of things were covered today. We will see you next time. Up next, Gary Machuda, hands-on apologetics. But as for us, we are EOW. We're end of watch. We are out. Uh, we'll see you next next time. Same Christ time, same Christ channel. God bless you. Keep the faith. Christ, Christ reigns. Christ can't, cr conquers. Christ is victorious. Let's never forget that. See you next time. <laughs>